Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Uh, you are hopefully well into your Pesach prep, and if you're not making Pesach, then hopefully you are wherever you need to be already for Pesach, because um, it is Thursday, and so Pesach is almost upon us. Um, this year, we've had some interesting content around Pesach. Last week, we spoke to uh, Rabbi Pill about making um, soft matzah at home, um, and we're going to kind of continue along this line of thinking because the soft matzah inspiration was a little bit Sephardic-based. Rabbi Pill got his uh, introduction to baking soft matzah from an Iraqi friend. Um, and today we have with us um, a chef educator named Sylvia Fallis. She teaches Jewish cultural cooking. Um, and we are so excited to hear about Sylvia's family's uh, Pesach traditions and uh, the types of food they eat and how it may be different from what you have experienced at home. Sylvia, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share. So, um, so let us know um, like where you grew up and where your family is from originally. So I grew up in Brooklyn. I grew up about a mile and a half from where I live now. I've lived in Brooklyn my whole life. My husband also grew up in Brooklyn. We live about four blocks from where he grew up. And our families are all based in Brooklyn. My great grandparents came from Aleppo via Israel, via Manchester. So it's a really interesting sort of story because we've been here quite a long time and we still hold on to all of our traditions and Passover especially, it's kind of intriguing for a lot of people looking in on us, but it's a pretty big community here in Brooklyn. Every family has their own sort of micro traditions. I, you know, um, my family got a little bit close to some Syrian traditions. A few years ago, we went to Panama. Um, so I've always sort of pretended to be Sephardic because I'm a little bit darker. Um, I don't really have any Spanish, so that didn't really work out so well, but I'm like, I'll just hang out with all you cool ladies. But um, it was really fascinating to get to, you know, see um, so many similarities and also so many differences and just kind of see the, that sort of diversity within the Jewish experience that I think when you're raised just sort of like, I don't know, vanilla Ashkenazi, we don't sort of understand um, all the, the different practices and traditions that are out there. And it's really so fascinating to, to understand how different Jewish experiences in different uh, countries through the years, you know, carried certain similarities and then also things developed uh, differently on their own. So, um, so what, what does that mean family to family? There's um, differences in terms of the family. Cause I'm thinking like our Ashkenazi, is the Ashkenazi experience that diverse? Like what, can you give me some examples of- um, Sure. So before I give you a few examples, it's really interesting that you mentioned Panama because there's this one non-Pesach tradition in Panama. It's a year round tradition, but it kind of ties into what the Syrian community embodies. Whenever there's a wedding in Panama, mm -hmm. there is a whole separate party made in the wedding hall for all of the singles. And okay. everyone who's single is invited, whether you get an invitation or not, you are invited because that's how people meet. Mm -hmm. And you can have 150 people at a seated wedding, but you're still going to have a booming disco party next door for all the singles. So that very kind cool. of shows how everyone really does look out for each other. And it's a very mm -hmm. tight knit community. Mm -hmm. So Pesach is really interesting because family to family, there are really different traditions. So as you know, we eat kidney up. So 
for which those ones though, because it meaning it uh, differs from different types of Sephardic communities um, eat different things, right? right? So, so different Sephardic. So all the Syrians do not eat the same thing. Got it. So, like you see, like these lists and lists of kinyo, but there is no one family who eats everything on that list. So there is mm -hmm. people who eat pretty much anything and everything that's rice and corn and bean based. And then there's families like mine who only eat rice and we only eat rice that we check ourselves three times. Wow. So the rice cakes in the kidney section, we don't eat that. We mm -hmm. just eat the rice that we check three times, every grain three times. Okay. And what about your husband? What did he grow up as? So my husband grew up similar. His family grew up a little bit more lenient and they would follow like the lists that were put out by different rabbis who said, oh, we checked like the Heinz ketchup factory and their corn syrup is good. So you can have Heinz ketchup. But my family didn't grow up following that. We were much stricter. So mm -hmm. when we got married, he kind of adopted our tradition because we were more strict. Mm -hmm. And um, what other, um, I guess, what other differences would you say, um, you know, you see during Pesach? Like, does the rice change the dishes very much? Or are there other uh, traditions during, um, you know, the Haggadah reading? So a lot of dishes are rice-based. Mm -hmm. I like to joke with my students that it's not a Syrian meal unless there's a bowl of rice. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the dishes are saucy. There's a lot of tomato sauce. There's a lot of there's a lot of tamarind sauce, there's a lot of apricot-based dishes, dishes with prunes, and you need something for the sauce. Mm -hmm. And rice was an integral part of the cuisine many years ago, so we continued with that. Mm -hmm. Rice is also pretty commonly used as a stuffing for mechshi, which is stuffed vegetables that are braised in a tamarind sauce. Mm -hmm. So you see rice everywhere. It's mm -hmm. used as the base of a dish, and it's also used to stretch dishes. Mm -hmm. Stretch. Uh, what do you mean stretch? Like that, it, that like a sauce should go longer? What do you mean stretch? So instead of stuffing the vegetables with only meat, it's mm -hmm. three quarters rice, one quarter meat. Oh, so God, okay. like instead of making, let's say like a spinach kogel with only spinach, you're adding two dozen eggs to kind of mm -hmm. stretch bring it, it further. It. Now you keep saying tamarind sauce. So um, for someone whose palate is more uh, Ashkenazi based, I mean, I have had different types of ethnic food, but what what exactly this, this is a spice? Like, can you describe sort of- So the tamarind kind of, it, it's a it's a fruit and oh. it's, a, it's like that mouth puckering sour fruit and you can't just buy it and use it stung hmm. as is. So you have to buy it. It looks kind of like, a giant edamame, like a four inch long oh. edamame and it's brown and they're dry. And when you pop open the shells, there's little seeds and the seeds have to be soaked and peeled and ground into like a pulp. And it kind of looks almost like a brown stringy pulp. And you can buy it as seeds, you can buy it as pulp. And then once you get to the pulp form, you simmer it for hours with sugar and a little bit of lemon and a tiny bit of salt. And then you have to strain it and process it through food. And it's like a sweet and sour sauce. Huh. So my people are very creative and we don't have hours and hours to spend over pots of simmering tamarind. So you can walk into any Syrian butcher and buy it ready. Huh. Now, can... 
do they sell this in non-Syrian neighborhoods? Would this be in a kosher store of any major like Jewish area or you're so going to have to in have New like York and New Jersey, a lot of Ashkenazi Jews have expanded their palate to Syrian maza, like lachmajin, like the little meat pizza. I love those. Yum. Yeah. So that's the main ingredient in lachmajin. So if you've ever had lachmajin, like that sweet, sour stickiness is from the mm. tamarind sauce. Yeah. So you can find it in pomegranate. You can find it in evergreen. You can find it in most major kosher supermarkets. And it's usually labeled lachmajin sauce because that's how the people there are using it. All right. Cause we were, you know, um, we had some of those in Panama and then, um, we had a Syrian guest who brought some over. We were very happy when she came to her shop. And then I bought some recently in the kosher store and we were eating them and we were trying to figure out like, what taste is this? Like, we like the way it tastes, but we don't quite, is there some yeah. cinnamon in that? It's kind of sweet. We just didn't quite have like language to describe. So that's because this is a fruit that grows in Syria and, um, so it, it actually grows now. It's all imported from Thailand, which is huh. really cool. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So that, so where might you see this tamarind sauce um, during a Seder? Not, not anything in the like Seder itself, but maybe just during the, the meal. So during the meal, one of the Syrian traditions, which is, which is also a global tradition is not to eat foods that are roasted. So right. Our main dish is usually a braised chicken and potatoes. And there's also a mechri, which is a stuffed vegetable. So mm -hmm. these vegetables are stuffed hundreds at a time and frozen before Passover. And then a day or two before the holiday, the stuffed vegetables are braised with apricots and tamarind and lemon and mint, and it reheats beautifully. So that's one of the Seder dishes. Okay, and so could an Ashkenazi Jew use like quinoa instead of rice for the stuffing? Is that like a... So quinoa is like generally used now. A lot okay. of people use it instead of rice because they don't want to check the rice. Got it. Oh, I see. Because quinoa can just be poured out of the bed and used. Some people use cauliflower rice. Okay. And some people skip the whole rice stuffing adventure. Mm -hmm. and make meatballs that are braised in tamarind and cherry sauce. And how is a cherry sauce prepared? Like that's also a specific Syrian type of uh, flavor? It's a very Syrian dish. And when you say the, the dish kibbeh cherries to someone Ashkenazi and you explain like it's meatballs that are cooked in cherry sauce, they think you're crazy. It sounds because weird, yeah. <laughs> cherries, cherries, meatballs, right? Like what are you talking about? Right. But the sauce itself, is sauteed onion, garlic, and then we add either frozen cherries or canned cherries in syrup and a little bit of tamarind. So I use the frozen cherries because they're a little bit healthier, they're not as sweet. So it's onion, garlic, cherries, the tamarind, the oot, a little bit of allspice. Some families put a pinch of cinnamon and you cook your meatballs in that sauce. And it's really dark and deep and sweet and sour. And some of my Ashkenazi friends call it candied meatballs. I mean, we do actually have sweet and sour meatballs that we'll use like a cranberry sauce for as a base. So it's not, maybe it's sort of somewhat in that universe or not even close. It has so much more depth of flavor because got you've got like the sweet, the sour, the onion, the garlic, the tamarind, the cherries, but it's kind of similar. My Ashkenazi friends' kids will eat the meatballs and pick yeah. out the cherries, or they don't even serve the cherries. I know people who puree the sauce so that the kids 
won't pick out bits of fruit. Okay, so let's go over the words that we've learned so far because we're, we're learning um, a few different terms. So the tamarind is the sauce. It seems to just be on most things, right? It's sort of like a, a go-to Syrian It's like sauce. a go-to sweet and tangy sauce. And in Arabic, it's called oot. Oot. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so then we said, you said um, lachmajin is the pies, but then you said lachme is the stuffing. Is that, did I get that right also? So lachmajin is the meat pizza, like the meat okay. pie. And on Pesach, we make it on mini matzahs. Oh, okay. It's because... the same meat recipe, just on a mini matzah instead of on dough. What and... about, well, we talked about soft matzah last week, as I said at the beginning. Is anyone in your community making their own matzah or doing soft matzah? Or that's so there's two rabbis in the community who do make soft matzah and they sell it frozen. And okay. I actually tasted it a few years ago for the first time. And I actually bought some from a rabbi who's making it in Rhode Island hmm. and he calls it mitzvah matzah and he's using sustainable organic whole wheat flour and he's using the proceeds of his matzah business for modern day slavery. So he's wow. helping modern day slaves escape refugees. So I thought that was a really interesting that's very cool. Full concept. So we are having soft matzah. I didn't tell my kids yet because they're Ooh. going to be really surprised. But most families use a classic round shmur matzah and mm -hmm. for every day, the square sheets of mm -hmm. whatever is free at Stop and Shop when you spend $25. <laughs> yep. All right. We do that too. Ashkenazim do yep. that too. All right, fine. So, all right, so we have our tamarind, we have our lachmajin. And then the next thing you said was in terms of stuffing, the stuffed vegetables. What's that word? Does it sound like lachma or something like oh, that? Oh, so like? lachma in Arabic means meat. Oh, okay. Got it. That's why I heard it already. Okay. So okay. then your meat stuffed so vegetables. So the stuffed vegetables, the, the umbrella term for the dish is mechshi. Oh, mech. And okay. I heard the ch. Okay. Mech versus lach. Okay. Mechshi. Okay. Mechshi. What is mechshi? So mech means stuffed vegetable. So Got you it. would say mechshi followed by the vegetable. So mechshi okay. kusa in that's Arabic for zucchini, stuffed zucchini. Mechshi pepper, mechshi onion, mechshi sviha is Arabic for stuffed eggplant. Basically, if you can scoop it, we can stuff it. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Good to know. That could be like a little slogan. You see it, we stuff it. Um, okay. And then what's the name for the, um, the meatballs with cherry sauce? So that's called kibbeh cherries. So oh, kibbeh. kibbeh is a really also broad term and that can mean any type of meatball mm -hmm. or it can be like the torpedo shaped fried appetizer. That's pretty common also. So kibbeh means like stuffed meatball or stuffed okay. meat. Stuff made some people. Okay. Um, are those the major dishes around like the Suda, like your uh, Shulchan Arech, um, you know, once the Seder is over or any other, um, any other like main courses, appetizers? So chicken desserts? and potatoes is really popular because mm -hmm. it can be prepared ahead. It reheats well. It's kosher for Passover. So that's also a really intriguing dish. And it doesn't sound like anything special. Chicken right. It sounds potatoes. kind of common. So Ashkenazim have that too. So what do you do differently? How do you make it so, better? It's a multi-step process and I have a funny story to share about this one. So first you peel and cube tons of potatoes, your basic Idaho potatoes, mm -hmm. and those are fried. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. those are cubed and fried and a typical grandmother would prepare like 20 pounds, 30 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I just saw your face, guys. 
<laughs> Could you imagine peeling and frying 30 pounds of cubed potatoes? That seems like a lot. So the potatoes can be fried in advance and frozen in Ziplocs. And mm -hmm. then the chicken is either a whole chicken or chicken pieces that's rubbed with oil, paprika, salt, allspice, which is very Syrian, garlic powder. And the chicken is roasted until it's three quarters done. Mm -hmm. And then the chicken is placed on top of the potatoes in the baking dish and it's all roasted together so that the chicken juice drips out onto the potatoes. And the potatoes under the chicken are really soft and creamy and everything around it gets really crispy. Hmm. So it's a really popular dish. And years ago when I was a kid, we used to go to my great aunt for Seder and she would do like 20, 30 pounds of potatoes easily. And she would stand by the carving board in the serving platter and she would not allow you to have potatoes unless you had a piece of chicken. Aunt, but she... Everybody was going for the fried potatoes, double cooked in chicken fat. And you cannot wow. have potatoes unless you have chicken. All right. She made you uh, eat, eat the chicken. Um, and what about, are there any desserts um, that are sort of a kosher le Pesach Syrian twist? So there's definitely some of the stranger Arabic desserts, but I'm not a Rosewater fan. So yeah. I like, I stay away from that. But I always remembered as a kid, we always wanted something lighter. There was always homemade ice cream, mm -hmm. like Syrian homemade ice cream. Mm -hmm. And there was lemon, there was strawberry. Some people made chocolate, there was coffee. And it's basically whipped egg whites mixed mm -hmm. with parv like Rich's Whip type creamer and the egg yolks and fresh lemon and lemon zest. And I remember always having parv ice cream in a huge crystal bowl after every Seder. Are people doing like those Manischewitz cake mixes or that's not so popular in the Syrian community? So I think they're more popular like just to have mm -hmm. because you can't walk into someone's house without being like handed a plate of food. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're coming to visit? Okay, great, you can sit down and eat. Right. So there was always cakes. Some women are very, very into baking. There's always sponge cake. My grandmother mm -hmm. always made sponge cake and her sponge cake for Pesach was indistinguishable from the all year one. Like wow. you couldn't what's tell the, the what's difference. The, what's the, the secret? Really, really whipping the egg whites, mm -hmm. tons of egg whites mm -hmm. and a cinnamon sugar walnut topping. Mm -hmm. And what, is it a matzah meal? Is it a potato starch? What are they So making? it's cake meal. So okay. the Syrians, most of us eat gebrachs, which is wet matzah. So okay. there is no major issues with cake meal. Matzah pizza is a big food group. Yeah. So All right, we have that too. We got that too here. Yeah, my kids eat matzah pizza a year round. That's how much they love it. <laughs> um, what about the Seder itself? Um, I mean, I'm thinking just off the bat, you have a different charosa than we do. Yes, our haroset is so different. And the first year that I was teaching Jewish cultural cooking, I was teaching in middle school, middle school kids in a temple about an hour away from me. And I had told the director, I'm going to make haroset. So I sent her my ingredient list and she wrote back, where are the apples? And I <laughs> said, what are you talking about? Where are the apples? Like what apples? It's not Rosh Hashanah. Like why are we eating apples? And it took like a few minutes for us to figure out that our, our charosets were completely different. Hmm. So Syrian charoset is pureed dates that are mixed with a little bit of wine or grape juice, a pinch of cinnamon and walnuts. Hmm. 
It's very different than the shredded apple mixture. That. And I wonder, so I think the Ashkenazim say the apples were, they um, were under apple trees um, when they conceived children on, in Mitzrayim. Do you know what the origin of the, the, uh, the dates are from? Is, is there, do you know if there's a source for that or? So I don't know the exact source, but dates are very, very popular in the Mediterranean. It's a very common food and mm -hmm. the dates are dried so they can yeah. be prepared whenever you want and some people say that the texture of it which is like a super thick spreadable jam is more yeah. likely cement like than right. the apple mixture for sure definitely see that what do you guys use for carpas so my family uses celery mm -hmm. so is we use celery and what about um any other uh possibilities in that you've seen in the Syrian community so most people I know use celery. Okay. I know there's some people who will put celery and parsley, but celery is a given. Mm -hmm. And a really interesting thing that I didn't know until a few years ago was a lot of the Ashkenazis don't actually eat the shank bone. Like yeah, the meat. Yeah, we don't need it. Yeah, we don't like, need it. So the Ashkenazis just use a bone and the bone right. is just there for decoration. Right but we use a shank bone with a lot of meat on it. Huh. And there's one for display on the Seder plate. And then just like you put out little dishes of carosa and salt water and eggs, we put mm. out little dishes of the meat from the shank bones. And that's eaten after we eat the egg. We just hmm. eat the piece of meat. Sounds and we don't say me. any bracha, we don't say anything. We just eat huh. it. I, I think that I would want to adopt that. That is a good, that's very good. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I know, and then this is where different Sephardic groups may have differences. Um, I know that I've heard um, Persians like whip each other with scallions during Diana. Yeah, do you guys we don't do that. You don't, we don't do, do that. that. But we do sing at the beginning of Magid, we sing a song in Arabic and we swing the matzah over our head. <laughs> That's very cool. It's, it's very cool. And my six-year-old can actually sing the song with a beautiful Arabic accent. And we're basically asking this, everyone gathered around the Seder questions and they answer us. And mm -hmm. it talks about the journey that we've gone through. So mm -hmm. it, the song is called Misharatam. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to sing for you. You don't want to hear me <laughs> sing. But we're asking Misharatam. So where are you like, so you're asking, what are you carrying on your shoulder? Where are you going? What are you doing? What are you bringing with you? And there's a few questions and everyone takes, so everyone takes a turn in my family. Some families, only the leader does it. Some families, everyone does it. So mm -hmm. we go around the table and everyone's swinging matzah around their head. Very cool. I heard also there's a group that maybe, is it for uh, Vahisha Amza? They walk around the table with matzah on their back like that. Have you heard of this um, in Hug as well? So we don't walk around with the matzah, but before we do the manishtana, the matzah and the seder plate is removed from the table. Hmm. I don't think, I, I don't know if everybody does that, but the matzah and the seder plate is removed from the table so that the kids will ask, like, wait a minute, where did it go? Like, where's the matzah? Like, where's the seder plate? And that way, the magid is an answer to their question. And after... Hmm the manishana, the matzah, and everything comes back to the table. Very cool. 
What about hiding the afikoman? Who hides it, the parents or the children? It really depends on the family. Mm -hmm. So the in my family, the parents hide it and the kids find it. Interesting. I grew up like that also. Um, and then my parents would give out silver dollars on the holiday, which obviously we don't do anymore. But then we switched. I think it seems like prevalent Ashkenazi tradition now is that the kids um, hide it. The parents have to find it. Any other differences or distinctions that you think um, is somehow in the, the Syrian Seder versus what um, some of our Ashkenazi listeners maybe used to? I'm trying to think what else. I think that's that pretty much kind of covers it. Like I, I think Eliyahu, um, yeah, we do that. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. So, okay. So it seems like there's actually quite a few things that, um, the Ashkenazi listeners can do in terms of incorporating, um, the, the spices, the allspice, the tamarind. Um, so we use a lot but, of allspice. We use tamarind. Some families use cinnamon in their savory cooking. Some families don't. There's a lot of tomato paste. There is a lot of stuffed vegetables, a lot of more intricate dishes that are happening. Where would you recommend people, do you have recipes posted on you know, any of your platforms that people could take a look and maybe do an Ashkenazi friendly version? So I post a lot of recipes on my Instagram, which is my name, at Sylvia Fallis. And I share a lot of broken down Syrian influenced recipes. Mm -hmm. So for instance, the kibbeh cherries, the traditional way is to kind of make a jelly roll of kebab meat, which is ground rice meat rolled around chopped meat, cut into pieces, braised in a cherry sauce. I skip that and I just make regular meatballs. Mm -hmm. So I incorporate a lot of the flavors without a lot of the time. Sounds like a perfect solution for busy people where Pesach is almost upon us. Um, okay, so uh, we can look you up, Sylvia Fallis on Instagram. Is that the best place to, uh, to find? That is the best place okay. to find. Amazing. All right. Well, um, this was really fascinating. I'm hungry now. Um, and I think, you know, the cool thing about these different types of recipes, obviously people have their own traditions that they come back to each year. And I think people do look forward to that. But I think there's also sometimes people are feel badly that they're going to miss out on chametz. So um, perhaps adding some Syrian flavors and spices into some of your dishes this year um, could give it some, you know, an extra twist, an extra spin, and something um, especially cool to look forward to. So um, thank you so much for uh, for sharing your heritage with us and um, you know helping to broaden our perspective for those of us that. Uh, have not gotten to hang out with the, the cool series like uh, we did a few years ago. Um, and uh, we wish your family a Chag Kasher V'Sameach. Thank you so much. Happy holiday, Chag Kasher V'Sameach, and enjoy your matzah. Thank you so much. Okay, and thanks so much, Chag Kasher V'Sameach, to you and yours. Um, and you can catch us same time, same place after Pesach. All the best.